0: Welcome to Mission Uplift. This is Jen, and today's episode is with my friend, Joshua Bitu Das. He is the founding president of Witness Ministries in Bangladesh. We recorded this conversation several months back around Easter. Quite a lot has changed since that time, both in America and in Bangladesh, but there is something for all of us to take away from this chat. Bitu and I had a great talk about his story, about the grace of listening, The rhythms of a missionary disciple and what it means to live a questionable life. It might not be what you think. Check out episode 11, Uplifting Witness. My friends, welcome back to Mission Uplift. This is Jen, and I have the great joy and privilege to introduce you to my friend Joshua Bitu Das, who is a seminary friend. We've known each other for almost four years, an incredible man of God and who has an uplifting witness, both personally and uplifts the importance of witness through a variety of ways, which he will share today. So thank you, my friend B2, for being here today. Would love to hear a little bit about you.
1: Well, hey, thanks Jen for having me on a uh, mission uplift uh, this podcast. I am so grateful you've thought of me to be on this um, podcast. I'm humbled to be here. Uh, as Jen said, we go back about four years uh, in a Canadian diner of all places. <laughs>
0: in, uh, Dallas. <laughs> in Dallas.
1: In uh, Dallas, eating poutine. Uh, but oh, I- I'm so thankful and grateful for our friendship. Um, well, a little bit about me. I'm Joshua B. Das I'm from the great nation of Bangladesh. Um, if you guys don't know where that is, I'm sure you guys know wh- where India is. We are in the left armpit of India, uh, I say. Uh, w- w- we are, I think, the most densely populated country in the w- whole wide world. It's got about 165 million people in a land size a little bit bigger than uh, New York. So that's about more than half the people of the United States shoved into the state of new york so that gives you a little bit of uh, yeah. perspective and uh, i've been at dallas seminary since uh, 2016 uh, and before coming to dallas seminary i was in uh, finance for a brief while so yeah
0: so tell us a little bit about your story of coming to christ in bangladesh and how witness witnessing testifying evangelizing how that became so um, important to you
1: well uh let me tell you you know people have a drastic conversion story my conversion story goes back a generation before me Um, my father who comes from a hindu family uh just um, always knew that there was something more than worshiping idols the first time an evangelist came to this village he accepted Christ as his personal savior uh, and declared it in his life. And he was kicked out of his family and his family inheritance because of that. Then he met my mom uh, at a church. And my mom comes from a heavily Catholic background, but they came to know the Lord. So I was, uh, I tell people, I won the lottery of being born in the family of Bino the Uh And I was part, of my dad's personal philosophy was, to have the baby in the family prayer time in church so that when he's asked, uh, when were he going to church, he could say before I even had cognition uh, to be part of the blessing. So I was taught in the fear of the Lord very early on. So I tell people the best, um, the greatest day of my life is April 16, 1995. I I remember like yesterday, I was four and a half years old, but it was a uh, Easter morning. Right after the sermon, my dad's like, do you want to, you know, make this decision today? I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. And uh, Dr. John Sharkar, who was the speaker that day, uh, helped me accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Uh, Let me tell you, I didn't know anything about sanctification, justification, glorification. All I knew was I was going to walk the streets of gold with my Savior one day. Mm. Absence from the body, presence of the Lord. A a faith of a 40 and a half year old. Um, I, I just knew that. But another great blessing in my life was the school I grew up um, was William Carey Academy. I got a scholarship to attend this school, which was American school in my hometown of Chittagong, Bangladesh. Um, so I grew up in that school, um, just, you know, living my faith out. I'm born into a Christian family, but I think around high school is when um, I, I started taking my faith seriously, um, just um, having my head bowed down before every quiz, every test, trying to be an, uh, just a witness to my friends. Uh, Bangladesh is 90% Muslim, and that uh, reflects my friend group. Um, my 90% of my friends are Muslim. And uh, I tell you guys, I love my Muslim friends. Uh, not just a heart for the Muslim friends, but I love them. And I differentiate this. One can have a heart for a certain people group or a certain people, But I tell you, I love my Muslim friends. That means I am ready to take a bullet for my Muslim friends and and I pray for their salvation. Um, So, um, you know, my friends would ask me, B2, why do you have your heads bad for a math quiz? You have the highest hundred streak uh, in our class. Like I was getting consecutive hundred points on my tests and my quizzes and I I get to tell them it's without God's providence or without God, uh, no hundred is possible for me. So um, that started my high school journey, and you know, there was this prayer I prayed. I, I remember I was on the back of my dad's motorbike right before high school. I was graduating eighth, eighth grade the summer. I'm like, God, um, I don't want to be the best student. I don't want to be the most popular kid. I I, I don't want to be The jock of high school. But one thing I ask of you is that I be known as your son uh, in high school. And you know, ninth grade went by, 10th grade went by, 11th grade went by. I'm like, I I forgot about that prayer, you know? Uh, 12th grade comes, and uh, there was this one exercise for drama club that we were doing. And uh, one of my, uh, this exercise was, if this guy was a book, how would you describe him? And one of my, friend described me he said the bible you know uh and they slowly gave me the nickname the reverend um and then uh you know uh, people that were needing prayer was coming to me and being like hey man you got the connection with the man up above you know could you just pray for me with family problems um, for just any kind of prayer they're coming to me and then on the graduation ceremony uh um you know, they were announcing the honor students. And, you know, they announced four of the honor students and the fifth person was me. And I'm like, man, that that was out of nowhere. And I felt like God tapping me on the shoulder and being like, reminding me of that uh, prayer, prayed four years ago. And he said, you didn't want to be the smartest kid in the class. Where are you standing now? Uh, You didn't want to be most popular. Who's the vice president of the class this year? Like senior year, I was the vice president. Uh, and then I was part of the basketball team, um, yearbook, uh, table tennis, you name it. I was part of it. But then he's hes like, you wanted to be known as my son. Who do people come to for prayer? So that was uh, a little bit about my testimony over high school. But uh, I really wanted to go into medicine after high school. But God closed that door for me. Um, it was too expensive for my – I grew up poor. I'm still <laughs> – My family, uh, I wouldn't classify as rich. We were still uh, a poor family, but we couldn't afford med school. But I had the scores to get into a med school. But God kind of closed that door for me. But I think the greatest blessing in my life started with that closed door. August 27, 2009, uh, a a small ministry called Witness Ministries was started uh, by a few youth that was just um, tired of seeing the church not attracting the next generation, so um, yeah, that that's the passion that really started a ministry called Witness Ministries back in 2009. I was an 18-year-old kid. I, I don't know what God was thinking, but you know, He knew what He was doing.
0: I remember sitting in that Canadian diner in Dallas with you um, shortly after we. first gotten to Dallas and we had a group of people from our our building um, student student apartments where we lived we were sitting next to each other with this big group of people and you immediately told me about witness ministries and how you couldn't you were excited to come and to learn more about the word more about God and and then you were going right back home to be able to share this with your people in Bangladesh and uh, and I thought, wow, you know, it was your passion and your zeal were so uh, evident from day one in that Canadian diner in Dallas. It was, what, seven years after you had started the ministry. But to hear how this teenager has started this ministry and, and what God has done. Tell us a little bit about what's happened since, since that, day, that time in 2009.
1: Well, um, so we started off with just a small um, Bible study. Two times a month, we would come down. And we would just worship. We would make relevant worship and just uh, just share from the scripture, just making it relevant for the younger generation. Um, and then God kept moving. God kept growing that group, and uh, you know, we we took this audacious attempt to do a camp, uh, and that means raising significant amount of support. And God has provided like. I I, I could tell you, Jen, till this day, any project that Witness Ministries has undertaken, we've undertaken it without knowing where the finances would come from. So I I, I was going to business school at the same time, got um, leading Witness Ministries as its founding president. Um, And then, you know, we started a partnership with Awana, a ministry called Awana. Many of the listeners might be aware what AWANA is, it's a children's ministry. Uh, my mom worked for the national office of AWANA, but I was good friends with the director, the country director for AWANA Bangladesh. And uh, we I think around 2012, we started a, a partnership with AWANA where we as witness ministries devel- developed their outreach programs to the street children. So we would come up with um, relevant skits, relevant uh, worship songs, uh, and uh, a fun ways to communicate the gospel truth to underprivileged kids. So we started our partnership with Awana. And then uh, around 2011, I think God spoke to us to start up a blanket ministry during winter. So since 2011, every year we've raised support to bless a village with um, blankets. But each blanket is prayed over and uh, we we give these blankets out for free, but we tell them it's going to cost them 20 minutes and we share the gospel. It, it stems out from Jesus's uh, ministry because when we see Jesus's ministry, we see that he not only met the spiritual need, but he also met the physical needs of uh, the people he was ministering to, the 5,000, the numerous time he fed the multitude, the numerous time he went and healed uh as an avenue to actually minister. Um, And then, you know, we started doing uh, conferences to um, bring in the youth and the next generation to have relevant truths be told and uh, just keeping an eye open for natural disasters to be God's hands and feet, we raise support. And um, in the time I was in the corporate world, I, I personally financed Uh, ministry because I I felt like this is what this is a place God's working and I trusted him with my finances my personal finances I would just pour out uh, all my salary into the ministry Uh, and God just faithfully grew the ministry Uh, I think in 2018 we did a a go campaign that was just uh, tailored to encourage um, church members to share their faith from uh, the term go from Matthew 28. Uh, And then we exposited that uh, text, but then we shared practical ways that one could start sharing their um, stories. And we actually had, we deployed them to go into the village to go into the streets and start sharing. And man, if you told me that we would be doing this, like we would be going out, In the streets of a place with 90% Muslim with the fear of death. Mm. Uh, Many of the listeners may not understand sharing the gospel is not as easy as it is here in the States or in the Western world. Uh, The implications is maybe jail time here, but for us back in Melbourne, the implications may be our life. So uh, we started outreaches and um, developed a our own worship team where we we help churches lead worship uh and then we've been faithful in keeping our discipleship movement um and then we're now partnering with you with the mission compassion in Bangladesh and God has grown this small nothing to uh, a national level ministry um, in about 10 years
0: it's amazing How that step of faith with you and a group of people to launch a Bible study and the conviction you had to be able to share the word has grown and spilled over into so many areas, Um, practical areas, you know, using practical uh, needs, very, you know, crucial life, (laughs) life life-giving needs Mm -hmm. to give the greatest life-giving need, which Mm -hmm. is the, which is the gospel. Um, You mentioned how you kept an eye open for natural disasters, how has Bangladesh been impacted by the coronavirus?
1: So um, let me go back a little bit uh, to 2017. A, in a response that we did was uh, the Rohingya refugee crisis. It, it's about an ethnic cleansing in Myanmar that had about a million. So Bangladesh, being the most densely populated country in the world, we took in another million of refugees um, and according to un this is the largest uh refugee camp in the world mm-hmm. right now so you know god, god just moved me and we raised some support here and we were able to bless about 700 refugees um as an emergency response with groceries and it was around the time of christmas so we were telling them that hey this is a christmas gift And uh, we were doing personal evangelism because there were police in the crowd seeing if we were evangelizing to them because that was a no-no from the government. You cannot evangelize or proselytize. So, um, but we have a heart as God allows to really respond because people look to the Christian ministries uh, as how we respond during times of emergencies because this opens up opportunities in the future because they're like, you guys were beside us in the time of need. So with the COVID-19, um, Bangladesh has yet to hit a mass amount, but um, we do expect once it hits, our we are overpopulation is a big uh, danger there. And uh, I don't think so the medical infrastructure is ready for that, but we've been praying um, with some of the national leaders to, you know, support the body, the church, because we see act, uh the emergency funds for the people that are doing daily wages that are dependent on daily wages. So witness has uh, is partnering with you with a mission to support some missionaries that will be um, impacted by this, uh, and just we're we're just praying, uh, and even me and my wife we've been just praying uh, continually for 2 months right now uh of ways that we could live generously in this time to live counterculturally uh being a witness because um i, I think 1st peter 5:15 it says but sanctify Christ as lord in your hearts always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you yet with gentleness and reverence and i i, I think it it begs us to live a questionable life. When we live counterculturally, when people are retracting from giving, when we start giving generously, it it evokes question. Uh, and I'm I'm hoping it evokes questions in my friend group that's 90% Muslim, saying, What makes you give in the time where people are retracting? Uh, to give them a hope, the reason for the hope that, you know, because Christ is the first. Uh, firstborn of the resurrected, I have a hope that I am going to be resurrected. And I I sincerely hope that you would one day share that hope with me by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. We're still anticipating this to hit Bangladesh. But as of right now, we're doing everything that we can with the limited resources we have um, to just help um, people that are needed, that are... um, because everybody, everything's in lockdown, so they're not being able to work right now. So we're trying to help people with groceries, even some institutions with uh, groceries for the peoples in dormitories that can't afford them right now. So, And we're trusting the Lord to provide for that.
0: Now, how much does it cost for, say, a month's worth of groceries, American dollars, to be able to support the ministries and um, missionaries who are in Bangladesh?
1: So uh, a small family unit, uh, I think $50 would uh, probably provide them for a month's worth of groceries and and maybe then some. And it depends, like even here, like how New York's living expense is different from uh, Dallas. uh, It depends on where these missionaries are. Uh, For some, it might go way beyond a month. For some, it would just provide enough for a month. So for about a $50 a contribution one could support a missionary family in this time of crisis for their groceries.
0: As you know, the Western world is, is being hit by the coronavirus, I think there's so much for the church to be learning in the Western world that we can learn other countries who have maybe been in need and but have lived in community in ways where we're more of an individualistic kind of nation, um, learn how to share with one another, you, you mentioned with Acts, and I've thought about um, Acts 2 so much about how, you know, they were devoted to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer mm-hmm. and, and gave to one another. And no one was in need and how the Lord continued to add to their number daily. And, you know, maybe we are not in a position where we're breaking bread the way we did mm-hmm. before. But I'm challenged by hearing your story and the story of believers in Bangladesh. There's a level of devotion when you consider sharing your faith and, and possibly dying for it. I love what you said about how when we live our lives counterculturally, how it should be questionable in a time where we're kind of holding on to things and not wanting to let go. It is questionable, um, but it it makes us question the motive and the why um and so i love your sharing that because it it gives people a curiosity as to what's what's behind that who's behind mm-hmm. that and an mm-hmm. opportunity to share share jesus
1: mm-hmm.
0: we're all called to share the gospel of jesus christ mm-hmm. we're called to make disciples but there are people who have a unique call for mm-hmm. for evangelism what would you say to that person who is wrestling with the call?
1: And Jen, uh, over the years, I think seminary's grown me in understanding God and his heart. So I, I I would first tell that person, be at ease. God's the initiator of missions. It is we who join in in this grand redemption of this people. Uh, just know that when you think you're important, he doesn't need you. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes when I get overwhelmed uh, with, okay, God, like where's the vision? What could we be doing more? Sometimes he has to come and minister to me and say that I could use any Tom, Dick and Harry from the road to establish my kingdom. Okay. I don't need you, but I really want you. Mm. So first uh, take ease. God's at work. God's at work. You do not need to win the world by tonight. Um, God's at work at redeem, redeeming to himself his people. And you have the unique privilege of joining him in that in that work of missions. And then uh, I, I would encourage you to understand that, yes, the commission is to go. Go and make disciples. But you have to understand that something precedes that the precedence is abiding with Jesus Christ. These disciples abided with Jesus Christ, teach them everything that I've taught you entrusted trusted you, you know? And this is what Paul tells Timothy, "Interest to others what I have entrusted with to you. So I think the first calling in all believers' life is to know God, you know? T- spend time with him, abide in the word, in prayer, uh, because you cannot serve from an empty jar. Unless you are filled with the living water of God, the Word, you cannot minister. So prepare, spend some time with God. Maybe in this time of seclusion, this is your time to abide with Him. So, with that, there's an overabundance when opportunities do come. Uh, I go to Irving Hopper Church and uh, we talk about the rhythms um, of a missionary disciple. And one of those rhythm is prayer, one of them is the scripture, but one of the uh, rhythm is missions. And in missions, we uh, talk about a rhythm of uh, what we call practicing BLESS, the acronym B-L-E-S-S, BLESS. So B starts with begin with prayer. Hey, invest your time in prayer, asking God, Lord, how can I impact one it, one person today? either by uplifting them or what we're doing right now, uplifting them with your story or just uh, giving a call to someone. Um, That's B, uh, L for listening. Let's listen to each other. Uh, let's give the grace of listening to someone that has a different opinion to you. Uh, the best way I, I minister to my Muslim friend is I listen to them. I listen to their objections and I respect them of, for their viewpoint and respectfully disagree. So let's listen to people with a different political view, different religious view, different philosophical view. Because in this era of postmodernism, if you cannot communicate that you care for someone else, they're not gonna give you an authority to speak into their life. So to be an effective evangelist, you gotta build a long lasting relationship, genuine relationship so that people would listen to you. But you gotta start by listening to them. So beginning with prayer, listening to each other. Uh, so the third rhythm we talk about is eating with, with, with each other. Uh, fellowships, or, or Dr. Musakura would say swallowships. You know, uh, um, but at this point, maybe, you know, social distancing is better. Buy a meal for someone else, you know. Um, eat with each other. Uh, the first S is serve each other. So get involved in some kind of a service. Um, just maybe mowing the lawn for your neighbor or going that extra mile. And the last S is share your story. Um, What we are doing today is sharing a story. Maybe your story the story of salvation might be an uplifting uh, story today. So I I would just recommend the rhythm of bless. Begin with prayer, listen to each other, uh, eat with each other, serve others, and share your story. So th- that that would be a practical application in this time of um, just, you know, hiatus, waiting.
0: That's so helpful because I think sometimes um, we look at, say, the news and we see numbers and it just becomes this mountain or this, uh, this large number, but there's no faces um, mm-hmm. to those numbers or we can easily get overwhelmed, but there's so much that has to be done and feel this urgency like, I have to do this. And like you said, God, God doesn't need us, you know, and yeah. our first call is to abide with him. I love the rhythm of bless. I feel like it, it just breaks it down. It's such a simple, practical way. And when we're doing that and it's coming out of our abiding with the Lord, there's just something special to each element mm-hmm. of that. You know, one of the things that we we do at Mission Uplift is we always end our time in prayer, considering the listeners who may be, maybe challenged by this, maybe wrestling with this particular topic. And I'd love if you would take the next couple moments to pray for those people who, who maybe will be motivated by, by this conversation, who maybe will be challenged, who might be prompted to even give to whether that's their neighbor in Texas or a neighbor in Bangladesh, to bless someone, even with that rhythm of bless, to consider those mm. elements. Would you pray for us?
1: Yeah, it would be my privilege. Uh, let's go to the Lord and pray, Father God, who art in heaven, Lord. We come to before Your throne with uh, with boldness, Lord, uh, Father. At at the uh, end of resurrection, I first want to come and thank You for resurrection, Father. Christmas would have been vain if there was no resurrection, Father. Thank You for the hope of resurrection. Because Jesus Christ, you are the first uh, to be resurrected. We have hope that we being who are in faith with you, we will be resurrected. And Lord, as people of hope, our, our, our end is not here, Lord. Your death does not mean end for us, Lord. And Father, like a novel, uh, there's ups and downs in the middle, but there's the end of the story. And we who are in you, we know the end of the story. We get to rule with you. We get to face you in heaven, but we get to rule with you in, in this earth, Lord. It's, heaven is not our final destination. It's earth. You're going to restore um, your kingdom again, Lord. And Lord, it is with this uh, end in sight that we are to go tell it on the mountain. We are to share this good news that life is not meant to be lived haphazardly. Life is not meant to be lived in fear. Life is to be enjoyed. Uh, John 10, uh, Jesus, you say that I come that you may live and live life in abundance. And Lord, I'm not trying to preach uh, prosperity here, Lord, but I'm just trying to say that there's life worth living in you, Lord. That's And that's the greatest news that... I was supposed to die, and that death penalty was taken by my Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I, I just want you to encourage anyone that's on the fence about uh, what he or she might have to do. Um, who, who, Holy Spirit, would you just come and minister to them right now? Father, I pray for anyone who's dealing with loneliness right now. Would you come and fellowship with them? Ever so presently, right now, Uh, Jesus, would you just come and hug them, Uh, Father? Anyone that's struggling with finances, Lord, you are the provider. You provided in the midst of a desert, Lord. You anyone that's stuck with a decision, Lord, they feel like they're on the banks of the Red Sea. The walls are closing down. The enemy's about to destroy them. Father, would you remind them you're the Lord that splits the Red Sea? Father, the truth that even when our back's against the wall and defeat is imminent, the story's never over until you show up and you always show up, Father. You always show up and the story's never the same again. Would you remind the listeners that are listening to this today, as Dr. Allman always said, what you have done in the past is a pattern and a promise of what you will do in the future. Although you're too creative to do the same thing same way twice because you're the original creator. You're too creative, Lord. Father, would the listeners pay attention to the patterns that you have set in Scripture and in their life? If you've provided in the past, there's no reason to doubt that you're going to provide today, but it may look different, Lord. Lord, I, I pray for those who have who will be encouraged would you just give them the unction of your holy spirit oh holy spirit would you just come and use them so mightily would you open up avenues for them to share their faith to share what you have done with, with the clarity with unction and with uh the power as as paul talks about in romans that for i'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Lord let us now be ashamed of the gospel for it is the power for it is your power unto salvation and may the people that are listening to this be empowered by the gospel, be reminded that the gospel is still powerful today and the gates of hell will not prevail on the church Lord, I declare that yet again and the gates of hell will not prevail. And the gates of hell is trembling at the people that are getting ready to share their faith mightily, wherever they are, Lord. And Lord, I pray for a spirit of boldness to those who will be stepping out in faith, sharing their lifestyle, living a questionable life, living a life that is countercultural in obedience unto you. Would you be ever so present for them? Father, we give you all the glory, praise, and honor because all is due to you. May we always be careful to step out of the uh, spotlight because always and forever the spotlight belongs to you, Lord. Uh, We give you, again, all the glory, praise, and honor. And this prayer we ask in the name of our Captain, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen, my friend. Thank you so much for taking the time to share with us about uplifting witness. Thank you for your uplifting witness. Thank you Mm -hmm. for who you are in Christ. And how can uh, our listeners connect with you? Is there a way on social media or website that they can connect?
1: So we're working on our website for Witness Ministries and uh, working on the U.S. side for like being um, transparent with donations and everything so that's still under work but people could connect with me via facebook um, my name joshua b2 das uh, witness does have a facebook page it's called witness ministries um and then you know you, you guys could email me i think jen might provide the email um, information absolutely the podcast and um you know I, i'd love to even schedule a call. Um, and if you would email me, we would love to schedule a call and uh, just share our stories or just be a source of um, an encouragement. So, yeah.
0: Amen. I've always walked away encouraged, whether it's just walking across campus or having the opportunity to sit down and chat. And so I'm grateful that, that you get a glimpse into his encouragement, his witness, and his, his joy in Jesus. So thank you, my friends. Blessings. Thank- Blessings to you and to Megan, grateful for you.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I've been blessed by B2's story and his witness from day one back in that Canadian diner in Dallas, and it has been a great joy to journey with him in seminary and also to see the Lord bless him and his beautiful wife, Megan. There is a lot to take away from this conversation. I know I am challenged to consider what it looks like for me to live a questionable, countercultural life for Jesus. So today I leave you with a few questions to sit with and to ask the Lord. In the context of our conversation with B2, are you living a questionable life? Are you living counterculturally? And what next step might God be asking you to take? I loved the acronym of BLESS that B2 shared with us. Begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve, and story. I included a link to it in the show notes for you to take a look at. Though the pandemic has altered the way we live and eat with people, and we may not be able to connect in the same way we used to, I wholeheartedly believe we can find creative ways to be a witness and live on mission. But begin with prayer. Ask God what it specifically means for you to live a questionable, Countercultural life for the sake of the gospel, for you to be a witness right now, where you are in the middle of 2020. I mentioned at the start of the episode that we recorded back in April. Well, COVID-19 has affected Bangladesh as well since then. And as a result, Witness Ministries has suspended all of their gatherings for the unforeseeable future. And as B2 shared, they've been doing so much for so many years. Witness has set up a COVID-19 relief fund, and they are accepting donations to help families in this very difficult time. As you pray about how you can live questionably and counterculturally, I encourage you to pray about giving to Witness Ministries. As B2 shared, $50 goes a long way, so if you feel led, please contact him directly. His info is in the show notes. Be sure to connect with B2 on social media and send him some encouragement. If you have any questions about Witness Ministries, please email him. As he mentioned, he would love the opportunity to chat. Whether you're an 18-year-old teenager or an 80-year-old grandparent, you have a story to share and a way to be a witness for Jesus. God is calling us to abide in him, to go deeper, to bear fruit, and to take steps of faith to witness and to share our story, which is a part of the greatest story. Stories are a big part of what Mission Uplift is about. Thanks so much for listening to today's.